how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. He lives his life with a camera clipped to his head. Justin Kahn of Justin TV. I'm broadcasting my life 24-7 to the internet from this camera. All day, every day, you can see Justin's point of view. Can you see me right now, baby? I guess this is my last video on Justin TV. Have you heard of Twitch? Twitch was basically the same infrastructure. It was almost like a reskin Justin TV at first. Twitch TV has been purchased, but no, not by Google, by Amazon. The internet giant is buying Twitch for almost a billion dollars in cash, one of Amazon's biggest acquisitions ever. Hello, podcast listeners. Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Today, we're joined by Justin Kahn. Justin Kahn has a crazy story. I don't even know where to start with this one. Yeah, I mean, the amount of things you could dig into with Justin Kahn, whether it's attaching a camera to his head and live streaming his life for 24 hours, selling a company for almost a billion dollars, yeah, or starting a YouTube channel now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's lived a lot of lives and he tells a lot of really interesting stories on this show. And it was amazing to just sit with him and talk to him because one thing is someone like him, an entrepreneur of that level, who creates a company like Twitch and and sells it to Amazon, you don't really understand what that looks like. Like as as entrepreneurs ourselves and and for myself, like I'm always curious what goes into that? Like what type of human being can do that? Totally. Yeah, there's a lot of intrigue there. And for this interview as well, it was the first time we were meeting him. We've watched some of his YouTube channel. He watches some of ours. But when you're interviewing someone for this amount of time and you've never met them before, it's always interesting what types of questions you can ask, mm. like what you're comfortable yeah. asking and what they'll be comfortable answering. Totally. And that was something we really got into in this episode. We asked some questions that were pretty personal. Yeah, but that's the fun part. That's the fun part about having a space like this, having a podcast like this. So we had an amazing conversation with Justin. Um, he's one of the original creators, in my opinion. Like he's someone who took to the internet and was like, let's push the boundaries of what connection means through content. Yeah, and he was a part of, you know, combining software, technology, and creation all in one because he had a company that had raised money to try and just pioneer live streaming, Mm -hmm. right? So he was doing something by putting a camera on his head and live streaming that no one else was doing because you just couldn't. So we've got to have a lot of interesting conversations with people over the years. This one, to be honest, when we walked away from this one, I was so incredibly energized by this conversation. I thought it was so unique, so interesting to get his perspective. And I think all of you guys will really enjoy this conversation with Justin Kahn. All right. All right. We're here, Justin. Um, We are here. How do you introduce yourself today? Is it Creator? An aspiring YouTuber. <laughs> aspiring <laughs> full-time YouTuber. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. You know, you you have an incredible history as a creator, um, a history that I had a really fun time listening to on a Gimlet oh, podcast. To startup podcast. Startup podcast. Yeah, yeah was, I, was, I was engulfed in it. Like, I think yeah. I finished it all in one day because it was so fascinating. And that was the first time I had heard truly the backstory. Back in 2007, you kind of decided to take to creating in a very unique way. I'm just curious what 
what led you into that world of, of Justin TV? For yeah, those people who so, don't know. You know, zooming backwards, uh, I got my start as a startup founder in 2005. I graduated from school. You know, we had the startup. It was called Kiko. It was a web calendar, kind of like Google Calendar. But we launched one month before Google Calendar came out, and it was worse in every way. And so TLDR, Google Calendar came out, crushed us. The only good thing that, that came out of that startup was that we were funded by Y Combinator, which is the seed fund that went on to fund, you know, Reddit, Dropbox, Airbnb, Instacart, Coinbase, many amazing companies. So we kind of got our start in startups and uh, that company failed. We ended up selling on eBay in this Hail Mary uh, and then went back to the founder of Y Combinator, Paul Graham, and, and pitched him new ideas for startups that we could start. And he actually didn't like our like legitimate ideas that we had. We brought you know ideas we thought were good businesses and he was kind of like, what else do you have? And I had this crazy idea that I'd thought of during Kiko, which was the idea of creating something I called Justin TV, which was a 24 seven live reality show about myself and my co-founder Emmett, where we would just stream everything about what that was going on in the day. And it was back in 2007, there was no Instagram live or YouTube live. Uh, there was no Periscope or anything like that. So uh, there was no way we knew, like technically there was no way to stream live on the internet. And, but we had this idea and the core of the idea was that, you know, you say it a lot and I, I say it too, it's like people follow people. Like there was, I had this, always had this idea that if you put time, billboards in Times Square of just some random person, you could make them famous, right? Like just mm -hmm. for like the name recognition alone, they don't have to have a particular talent or anything like that. And this was kind of before like keeping up with the Kardashians. It was like, you know, there was reality TV, but it wasn't really generating like superstars yet, right? And so I had this instinct and so I was pitching Paul. I was like, oh, I have this idea for Justin TV. We could make our own live stream, you know, on the internet. And this is a new form of live you know, reality TV and there's going to be these stars. People are going to follow them. You know, there could be like us making a startup and then there's like, you know, fashion model in New York or, you know, someone who's like a musician in LA or, you know, different personalities that people would follow. And Paul was super into it. Actually, he was like, kind of like, tell me more. And, uh, his partner at Y Combinator, uh, this guy who's a professor of computer science, uh, at MIT, Robert Morris. Uh, he was like, I'll fund that just to see you make a fool of yourself, Justin. <laughs> and so we walked out of there with a check for 50 grand with no idea how to build Justin TV technically, but with this idea of like creating our own live streaming show and we were luckily engineers. So we spent the next six months like building this platform and the streaming camera and hardware device. And uh, then we launched it. Why were you comfortable with, with streaming your life? Was well, there I was very uncomfortable actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very, <laughs> that's important to yeah. talk about because yeah. yeah, it was you who was the first person <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to take that on. That's right. So, so I was actually very uncomfortable. And I remember the night before we launched, I was like, oh shit, what did I get myself into? I promised like all these, you know, I had, we had three other co-founders. So there are four co-founders. They all were doing this full time. One of them quit school. Kyle, my co-founder quit school to come out and do this. And then we were going to launch a show and I'm like, oh shit. Like the night before I'm like, what did I sign up for? This is, this is silly. And there's no, there was no real social media. Like Twitter was just getting started then. So there weren't really examples of people who have been successful doing this. For me, it was like a, the thing that got me interested was I'm always in looking for things to get myself out of my comfort zone and grow. And I was always someone who's very extroverted, but also very shy. And I thought that if I, this would be a vehicle to meet people and like connect with them in a way and like do something interesting, right? That was kind of like be in the center of like something interesting. 
which was right because we launched it. It blew up on in the media. I was on the Today Show and MTV, and like people would come to the site and they'd be like, "Why is this person doing this?" It's kind of like going to a zoo or something. They were like, "Why are why are you doing this?" One number two your content is extremely boring because it was like us (laughs) on our computers in our office, like talking about like keeping the web servers up and stuff like that. Go entertain us. Uh, And then luckily they started asking for, you know, how can I create my own content? And that that eventually became a platform that was, you know, Justin TV, the platform to let anyone stream. And then Mm. that's the company that turned into Twitch. How did you handle the feedback at the time from people uh, who weren't commenting on the platform or on the technology, but on just that, the fact that it was boring? Like, how yeah, did that they, feel for you personally? Well, it was at one level, I kind of knew it, right? People would come on and be like, you suck. Like, there was a <laughs> lot of like, you, this show sucks. This guy's fucking lame. Like, you know, they were, they were not, you know, they were very unkind. Then they would try to spice it up themselves by like, we got swatted. You know, they yeah. you know, people would call. Every I've seen time. that video. Yeah, yeah. that's I a crazy video. TikTok. Yeah, you every, post it on TikTok. Every yeah. time I would walk into a restaurant, people would order pizzas to that restaurant. <laughs> like it was like you know, it was kind of like the worst of. I guess it was like 4chan just like abusing us, yeah. which was you know it was kind of exciting. It was kind of funny. It was kind of horrible. And then you know there was probably a couple of weeks of that until people were like bored, entirely bored, and moved on to you know the rest, you know, live their lives or pick out the next you know, victim on the internet. (laughs) So the the internet is kind of, and I think as creators, like we all fall into this world of like an idea competition. Why do you think that idea of Justin TV caught such big attention, like almost immediately? Well, I mean, it's the same reason that, you know, grownups right today are like, oh, these kids on TikTok are like making, are in like content houses, like what's the deal with that or whatever, and they don't get it, you know, but it's fascinating the idea that you can make your living on the internet and that someone would want to be out there and entertain people or create content about themselves. You know, there was a lot of, this guy's a narcissist, you know, they mm. think he's like super interesting or whatever. And so, you know, I think it's just a fascinating idea to people. And even though the content wasn't interesting, it like was analogous to, you know, tr- the Truman Show or TV or some movies that had kind of captured that idea. And so people were, were fascinated and wanted to check it out. Unfortunately, the content was not good. Right. Actually, so they checked it out and they left. But what's interesting is the story of the idea was good. Yes, the story of the idea was good. They was made good. movies about yeah. the story of this idea. Yes. The idea itself or the implementation was terrible. And actually, years later, I think that I realized the spiritual successor of the idea was kind of like Snapchat stories, or now Instagram mm-hmm. stories, where mm-hmm. it was a window into someone's life. That's what people were interested in. It's just that 23 hours and 59 minutes of their life probably suck every day. Or right. it's boring to watch. And then one minute or two minutes or three minutes, if you compress it down to that, you can make something interesting. And so when Snapchat's stories came out, I remember looking at it in like 2015. I mean, I was probably late to the party, but in 2015, I was checking it out and I was fascinated that it was kind of the idea that we had wanted to implement at Justin TV, just much better executed. And I started making content for that format and making like story content about entrepreneurship. And um, that kind of took off on its own again. Did you enjoy being a content creator with Justin TV? Like were there highs? With Justin TV, there were some highs where it was exciting to see how people interacted with the content. Like there there's, it was a new format, right? Like live video, like it was more interactive. You know, one time I remember walking down the street, I was, I saw myself on the chronic cover of the San Francisco Chronicle. They had done a story. And so I bought this thing and I was like, someone should just buy undeservedfame.com and link it to Justin TV, right? Like this is, this is, you know, kind of implementing the, you know, this like put a random person on a billboard and they can become famous. Right. 
And somebody, a viewer like did that immediately, mm. you know, and I was kind of like, that's cool. Or someone else was cataloging all like blogging, basically what I was doing every day. You know, I was like, Oh, you went to this bar and like did this thing with me, this meetup or whatever. And that was kind of cool, you know? So the interaction part was cool. The actual process of making the content and trying to be entertaining all 24 seven was hor horrific. It was terrible. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, it only lasted well. So the real, like us trying to create content lasted a couple of weeks. And then we streamed for like six months to just try to keep the site alive while we made our platform work. During those six months, was it still attached to you? It was kind of like I'd set it up and, Got you know, it. we'd be in our office and Got I'd like it. talk to, you know, the viewership like fell to this very nascent level, but I would try to entertain this like nascent viewership to keep them alive while we like hacked up this platform to, you know, a lot of the original streamers on Justin TV were people who were viewers of Justin TV. That's interesting. There was essentially like a community developing who was Yeah, there was connected. a community of almost yeah. like, it was kind of like what you see now on Twitch with just chatting. It's yeah. like mm -hmm. people who are just hanging out, like random people. Some of them are entertaining. Some of them are not, you know, and, and they wanted to, you know, um, my co-founder co Emmett, who's the CEO of Twitch, he says like Twitch is methadone for human connection. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's a substitute um, that kind of works. And I think there were a lot of people on the internet who just wanted to hang out with people and, and yeah. connect with people. And so live video is a great way to do that because you feel like you're there with them. As the platform then converts to being just you to other, you know, creators on the platform, was their content interesting? Like, were, was there yeah, interesting so content the, so, that you saw? Yeah, what was cool was people were doing all sorts. Of, it was kind of like our original vision where we'd have all these different streams. Yeah. We had like this one guy, Moon Cricket, who was, he had um, done like breakdancing videos and, and he was like a videographer. So he was going around making like videos of his life and dance videos and stuff like that. And there were people who were living all over the world, like in Japan and and Australia who like would kind of stream into this international audience and kind of tell pe people what it was like to live there. And uh, this guy who's a fashion model and, and designer, you know, like a lot of different people who are pretty fascinating, interesting characters, right? Like streaming to this audience. And that's what really kicked off, kicked off the community back in 2007, like at the end of 2007. And then over the next two years, we, it grew to be quite a big site. You know, we grew to like one of the top 250 websites in the world. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And like, from that point, were you still a premier creator on the platform? No, so like immediately after, you know, I was not that interesting, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I was understood that much about creating content actually. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I probably didn't understand, like it, over the last 15 years of like starting these companies, I feel like I've come to understand how to create content because I've understood it. Like being an entrepreneur is a lot about storytelling. Yeah. And so I went from like not being a very good storyteller to being like a pretty good storyteller. And I think that has been a transition that's helped me become a good creator. But even in the days when we were working on Justin TV and then Twitch, I like did not really understand it, you know, that, that much. I understood the technical components of like how to keep a stream up, like how to make the website, like the software that like kept this whole thing going. But we didn't really understand the dynamics of like why people watched and what was interesting and like how people create, you know, figured out like how to create content or like iterated that content on our site. So with that said, was it surprising to your team from a storytelling perspective that video games specifically was like a vertical that took off? Because I think nowadays, even sometimes explaining to people who are unaware that there is a whole market, a whole world of people who like watching other people play video games, like people yeah. consume other people's consumption. Yeah. Was that surprising? What was that experience like in the very beginning? Yeah. So back in, so what happened was it grew the site and it grew to be a top 250 website in the world, but it stopped growing. And then it 
slowly, you know, we could see that it was going to decline and the internet's growing. So if it's not growing relatively, you know, you're it's about to fall off a cliff was what we figured, which was right. And so we started looking for like, what are other things we can do and how can we pivot this company to something else? And uh, my co-founder Emmett was like, we should focus on gaming because gaming was the only content that he actually liked to watch on our site. It was very nice. It was 3% of the traffic to wow. Justin TV, hmm. but Starcraft two had just come out and people were making a lot of Starcraft two streams and he was like, this is the content that I like. All the other content on our site sucks. And so we were pretty skeptical. Like there was a real debate among the co-founders of the company. And eventually we decided to test it along with this other idea. So we tested the, the idea and it started working. He basically went to all the streamers and said, like, we're doing gaming and said, what can we do to support you more? You know, and we learned from them. And then eventually that got this flywheel going. They wanted more money. It's the same thing that streamers or that content creators want today, right? Yeah. They want fame or more love, right? They want more fans. They want to grow and they want to reach more people. So that's one bucket. And then they want money, right? They want to be able to do what they love for as their job. And so we figured out how to give them more of those things. And that's got what got the flywheel going for Twitch. So how does it fully go from, you know, Justin TV to Twitch? Yeah. So we, we incubated this idea, right. Which was focused on gaming. At first it was just on Justin TV. This was like 2011, right. So 10 years ago now. And then it, it grew and grew and grew. Eventually came, you know, Emmett came up with this name for Twitch and then we made it to some website and then we continued growing it for the next couple of years, raised more money. And we sold it to Amazon in, in 2014. Like it was after starting, it was kind of like more and more resources moved from Justin TV to Twitch as Twitch continued taking off. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot more clean of a product because it was, you know, it was branded a specific way for gamers. It was clearer, like who the, you know, community was. So it was easier to sell like endemic advertising to those, you know, those types of people um, that, you know, the advertisers who want to reach gamers. It was just kind of like more of an obvious product in a, a lot of ways. It actually brings up something that uh, we, we talked about, you know, just a bit ago, which was the storytelling of the idea. Yeah. Essentially what you're suggesting is the storytelling of Twitch, both to the audience, to the industry, that was a cleaner story than Justin yeah. TV, right? Yeah. In a way, Justin TV was like kind of a muddled story because it was like, okay, it's, you know, the name even is like, doesn't, doesn't really make sense. It's right. a lot live video platform, but then there's all this types of content, right? There's, there's everything from people chatting to like people, to sports to, you know, um, just like random international content. And it was like kind of a mix to gaming. It was like a mix and it was very confusing. And when we focused on Twitch, it was a lot clearer of a story, even to the audience, right. And the streamers, like who belongs here. Right. right? And so it was a little bit easier to make it work. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is like the name Twitch is even a, is a term from the gaming yeah. community. Right. And I think that's like a lesson for creators in general. Like when we first started as this new channel, Colin and Samira, we just said, we're going to make videos about whatever we want. Yeah. And that has no defined audience. So we didn't find an audience. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I right. think defining your audience is yeah. really important, you know, for startups and for, as a content creator, it's like, and then it's always bigger. If you can have a audience of fans who really love you, it's always easier to expand that from, a, sure. from a base of people who yeah. truly love you. Yeah. I think for us, it was like the change was going from, Oh, we're going to make anything to, Oh, we're going to make content for this audience that gives them this value. Yeah. Like having a value prop and an audience was unlocked everything. Then yeah. all of a sudden, like I almost felt instantaneous where we attracted the right audience and the right advertisers and were right. able to build a business uh, in, you know, something that maybe took us three years to try and find, then it was like six months to build a business from there. Yeah. Once you found the audience, yeah. did that feel like that with Twitch where once you guys kind of hyper defined it, it moved faster? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it started growing, you know, we set these milestones in the beginning of like, 
if it can grow, we said, okay, what does success look like for, for the gaming category of Justin TV? Yeah. And we said, well, the biggest gaming video website that's not YouTube is gametrailers.com and they got 10 million monthly active users, right? So we said, we backed it out of, in two years, if we could be as big as gametrailers.com, then that's success. That's like going from where we were, which was like a couple hundred thousand uniques a month to 10 million MAU in two years, which is wow. was like 15% growth monthly in the first year and 10% monthly in the second year, wow. right? So that was our goal. And we just crushed that goal. In the first six months, it was like, you know, we had, we had demolished the goal. And so that was what gave us the confidence to say, this is, this is real. So that moment where you go from this idea of live streaming your life to selling a company to Amazon. I remember there's a moment in this, in the startup podcast from Gimlet where yeah. it describes you guys, I think are at a wedding. Yeah. We're at Kyle's wedding. Yeah. Kyle's wedding when yeah. the money hits your bank account. Is yeah. that right? So yeah. I just talk us through, I guess that experience of taking this idea. That's your guys' idea and yeah. having a moment like that. Uh, well, I tell the story on my YouTube channel, so yeah. people should definitely check that out. But um, the, uh, you know, we're, there was kind of two pivotal moments actually in this, sales process that I remember, you know, I'll always remember the first is like when we actually closed the deal, the second is when you get paid. Right. Yeah. And that when we closed the deal, it was funny cause I was a, at burning man actually, you know, most Silicon Valley shit ever, yeah. no cell phone reception. It rains the night before like the signature, my signature is in escrows, right? So they can, the yeah. lawyers have it, they can release it. And it rains the night before and I wake up in a pool of water cause I'm living in this construction foam yurt that I made myself, right? Like this foam yurt. And I, um, you know, I wake up in like literally in an inch of water, go outside, try to dry my clothes and then spend the whole day like wandering around looking for someone who has cell phone service to see if I can text a friend, like, did this happen or not? You know? And that was like, then I finally found someone texted Emmett, my co-founder and he was like, yes, we're good to go. And I was like, wow. Oh my God, that's, like, we closed the deal. And then a month and a half later, we were at uh, my other co-founder Kyle's wedding in um, Florence in Italy. And uh, we're at this castle with also no cell phone reception. And I remember <laughs> we're supposed to get paid that day. And so everybody, you know, all our Twitch related affiliated people are like, I'm like looking at my bank of America app right. on my phone and I'm doing the pull down to refresh. <laughs> and it's like, it's just like a you know, circle of death or whatever. And finally it like goes through and you know, it's like, boom, there's like more money in bank of, I didn't even know bank of America could fit that amount of money. And so, you know, that was a pretty incredible experience. And I mean, obviously there, there was a pretty great party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, in a way that's good. Timing. I would have loved yeah. to be a part of that. that yeah. Sounds, yeah. It's funny when I heard that story, um, I, it, it created a lot of aspiration for me, yeah. um, beyond like the, the monetary, you know, success, but just that feeling of working with a team and having a, yeah. a moment like mm -hmm. that. I yeah. think it gave me chills to think about that. And like, it's so crazy to be a creator where you have something that comes out of your mind that people interact with that then creates value yeah. for other people. It's just such a strange and amazing phenomenon. I think to, to and it's very rare to get to experience something like that. It's hard yeah. to humanize a moment like that. And I think the exciting thing about whether it's a podcast or your YouTube channel uh, is that you actually can humanize it. Yeah. Right? And it's so much more impactful because people who are watching your YouTube channel are just looking you in the face as you're explaining this story yeah. like you would be at a bar. Yeah. Right. And that's just so like rare for stories like that, which yeah. don't happen to everyone. Right. Yeah. I like to, I mean, I think that's what people like about the YouTube channel is it's kind of a insight or window into 
you know, somebody who they may have read about and aspired to, to be like, or have a career that like, and, um, you know, my goal is just tell people how it is the good and the bad, you know, like there's some really great moments and amazing stories and they were very satisfying to like live that, but then people think it's going to solve their entire life. Right. And then it didn't like the TLDR. It's like, didn't like solve my, like every problem that I ever had or continue to have. And so, you know, just being honest and, and telling people that I think is really important. So how much did Amazon buy Twitch for, for people who don't know? It was know? $970 million. $970 million. Yeah. I'm just shy of a billion dollars. Yeah, they just wouldn't go They wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, they wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't do it. It's, so so it's that amount of money, kind of I mean, up. even for me, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> even for me, it's like crazy to wrap my mind around no. um, that amount of money. And I, I can imagine when you refreshed your Bank of America account and saw it, it's like no. this moment in time that's, I, I don't know. I, I I don't even know how that potentially would feel. As you well, just imagine, if you have like got a million dollars deposited into your Bank of America account, right. how would that feel? Exciting. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> yeah. thing. It doesn't feel like <laughs> the law of large numbers is that like human beings are not capable of comprehending the difference between like one, ten, mm. like a hundred. It's like orders of magnitude. It's just the zeros at the, and it doesn't really right. mean anything to you in a tangible sense. Right. Mm. So it actually doesn't feel very different. It's really That's interesting because yeah. I think about it all the time. I, I you know, just to, to put money into perspective yeah. for myself. And then also Colin and I talk about this. I talk about it with my friends. It's like, if someone did deposit $10 million into my bank account, I'm not positive. I would know what to do. I'd be pretty yeah. confused. Actually. I'd probably just get a house. Yeah. And that's actually, I think it, I'm yeah. not positive what I would do after that. I would just get a house that I like living in. Yeah. And if that's my ultimate goal with all of this, I think as a creator, I can get there on the path that I'm on right now. For sure. Right. And it's like, that's really exciting. Yeah. And, and that's, that's cool. And it helps put things into perspective around like how we interact with money. How much did that experience for you? Like what happened after that? Like, do you have the compulsion to maybe make something else? Did you stay on with Twitch? Like what happens next? So, so by the time we sold, I was just on the board of Twitch and got a shareholder, but not, um, I wasn't active and my co-founder was running it. And I had started other companies and I decided to, you know, so I didn't have to stay on with Amazon or, or anything like that. And for me, it was about, um, you know, I, I'm always someone who's like inter- interested in new ideas. So there was part of me was like, oh, what's next? Like I need to start another company, build another company. And uh, there was a, a lot of almost compulsion around that, you know, yeah. to just like do it bigger, right? Like it's like, it's the human mind. And I talk about this a lot on my channel. It's like the human beings are very like always on this hedonic treadmill, you know, by default, you're always looking for what's next and trying to like, if you have an outcome that's X, you want to make it 10 X the next time. And I, we had done good with Twitch, but then, you know, I had friends who started Dropbox or Airbnb or Coinbase or something like that. And it's like, there's always someone else to like look at and be like, Oh, I could have done better. Right. And so for me, like I went and wanted to start another company and, um, you know, probably for extrinsic reasons, not like the healthiest reasons. And then it was like, I wanted to do more, you know, yeah. Did you have any, I guess, issues with purpose? After yeah, this? I, it's, I think so. Like, I remember asking a friend of mine, like, what is the point yeah. of life? Like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. I spent all my effort and energy for 15 years trying to chase this outcome. Or I guess it was like 10 years at that mm-hmm. point. And then we got it. So now what? Yeah. And he was like, uh, you just make your own meaning. You know, and un- unfortunately, I, I heard that and I was like, oh, I guess I need to like just have a bigger company. I was very extrinsically motivated. And, you know, through the process and, you know, last couple of years, I reali- came to realize like 
actually having extrinsic success, it's nice, but it's not something that's going to provide for lasting fulfillment every day. You know, so for me, it's been a shift, a mindset shift towards the intrinsic and like, what do I wake up excited to do that gives me joy? Like, what can I do that activates my inner joy every day? And that's why, like, I love creating content. You know, it's for me that I love that storytelling process. And YouTube is kind of one of the things I've found that I just really am excited to do every day. How did you go about that process of sort of self auditing to understand what made you happy during the day? Yeah. I mean, I like, uh, it, it was not that, you know, I was very unconscious effort. I mean, really it's like, I, um, so I'd started this other company and then it was stressful. I was like kind of just as stressed as ever. And then eventually I drank ayahuasca and it was a whole experience, but it really just cracked me open to like all the reasons that I've been an entrepreneur and everything I'd done in my career was always to try to get the approval of other people. And if I, it was to living out kind of like things that I wanted in my past when I was a kid, you know, I felt like I didn't get it enough. And so uh, then, you know, once I realized that and I accepted that about myself, then I could kind of work on like, is that how I want to show up in the world or not? Mm-hmm. You know? And from there, like that was kind of the start of being more conscious about how I wanted to be in the world. That's amazing. Yeah. That's it, so interesting. It changed my did, life. But did, yeah. yeah. Did you do that? Um, in South America, where, where did you do? I did in California. You did in yeah. California. Oh, cool. Yep. And how did you land there? Were you open to an experience? Were you searching for an experience like that? Or was that recommended from? I mean, I could tell you the whole story. It's yeah. Kind of funny story, I so. really want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Story. Yeah. 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 I'm on, I'm hooked. I had heard about it before, but it was, uh, the first time I heard about ayahuasca was like, it's kind of funny. It was, um, one of our investors had, uh, wanted to go to dinner with us at Justin TV. And so with the co-founders, so he brought us out to, to dinner. It was pretty funny. He brought a date. And so there's like four co-founders and are like significant others. And then he brought this date and the date this, this woman was like talking about how her ayahuasca experience, we had no context, right? But she was like, I was there and I'm throwing up in this bucket. And <laughs> it wasn't the good kind of throw up though. It was, it wasn't the bad kind. It was the good kind, you know? And she was, and we were just like, what is this woman talking about? Right. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. you know, with no context, no idea. That was like the first time I'd heard it, the worst advertisement for ayahuasca ever. Then later on, uh, you know, a couple, it's just like years and years later, 10 years later or whatever, I was going through a very stressful time in this company that started and, you know, have thinking I need to do bigger and I need to do better and things weren't working out as I I'd intended. And so I remember meeting up with a friend of a friend, just kind of randomly in this like random, random night. And he was telling me about his ayahuasca experiences and I was kind of like, I was fascinated. I'm asking him about it. And he said he had, uh, it was like doing a thousand hours of therapy in one night. And most people would hear that and just run screaming, right? Like, yeah. like Oh no, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And then, but I was, you know, I'm, it's kind of like the same impetus to like start Justin TV and like stream my life to the internet. I want to try everything and like, you know, anything that can be push me outside my comfort zone I'm into. And so I was like, okay, I'm interested. And, and he was actually organizing an event, inviting me to this event, uh, like the next month. And so I end up going to this event or I just tell me I want to go. And then I'm, uh, my wife actually came with me. We haven't spent much time together in the last couple of weeks. I'd been traveling the last couple of weeks. So she was like, uh, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, I, I want to go to this event. And she, I was like, just come with me. So she had no context <laughs> for what <laughs> this amazing. was. So the, both of us go down, we're like in California, we go to this house, beautiful house for the weekend. You know, we're going to do, ceremonies and uh, ayahuasca ceremonies. We go for the weekend and, you know, it's an amazing house on the water, like overlooking, you know, kind of like the California coast. And we walk in 
And uh, the first thing I see is this guy's in his mid-30s, muscle, mustache, white guy. Um, and he's like the assistant. He's kind of like the shaman in training. He's, a, he's a, like a healer. You know, he's kind of working with the shaman who's from Peru, but he's, he's, um, he's kind of like the, the one who's brought him out to the, to the West. And uh, I, he's wearing a Robin Hood hoodie, like the stock trading app. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was just like, this is some Silicon Valley shit. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know about this. What did we get ourselves into? And so we, we, uh, you know, we have no idea what to do. We have no idea what to expect. And nightfall comes and then they're like, okay, we're going to start the ceremony. And so we're like sitting in the circle in this living room and the, uh, like I have no context for any of this technical language about ceremonies or, you know, how to, you know, what you're supposed to do. So we're just sitting there in the dark and they start the ceremony and kind of sing some traditional Icaros. And then, uh, one by one, we're invited to like go up to the front and have a cup of ayahuasca. So I go up and, uh, the shaman whose whole family is like this line of curanderos from, from Peru looks at me and it's kind of like, okay, here's like you're serving. So I, I drink this thing. It tastes horrible. It's like jungle cough syrup, really the worst. And then like kind of choke it down, go back, drink some water, try to swish the taste out of my mouth and sit back down. And then we're just waiting in the dark for something <laughs> to happen for like 30 minutes. I'm just sitting there in the yeah. dark. Like what's supposed to happen? Is something happening? I don't know. Do I feel anything? And then at one point they say, Hey, if you uh, want a second cup, you can come up now and oh get a second God. cup. And so, um, I remember someone had told me if you can even conceive of standing up, walking to the front of the room, and getting a second cup, then you can do it. You're fine. And so I kind of just jump up and I'm like, elbowing people out of the way to get up there. I'm like, I'm ready to go. And they're like, What do you feel? I say, I don't feel anything. And so they kind of like eyeball me and they're like, Okay, they pour me another cup. Boom, drink it sit down and I have the wildest five minutes later, just go in and have the wildest night I've ever had in my life. And, uh, the TLDR is there was, it was almost like there were three movies cut together with a, like the, the scenes of three movies cut together all in out of order. Right. Mm. One was like Tron. I'm like going through this like intergalactic space, uh, you know, travel and seeing like bird people and everything's lit up in neon, even though it was pitch black in the room. And that was weird, right? That's like all this psychedelic visualizations and stuff like that. Uh, the next was like Just End Therapy show. I don't, I don't know if you'd make a show out of that, but sure. this, was, yeah. this was like people was, from my life were showing up and I'm like, you know, I, my dad showed up and I'm screaming like, you know, about, about like, why aren't you proud of me yet? Which is, you know, not even, my dad was great father. It's just more like, I didn't know that I had these issues. It was more representative mm-hmm. of like, yeah. I had all these issues about like, not getting approval from the people around me. It was more representative of like yeah. my peers mm-hmm. and, you know, other people I know. And, um, you know, and then that, that would happen. And I'd be like, then, he, then I'd work through that and it'd go away. And then there's someone else from my life would pop up, you know, and have this other like set of, you know, very cathartic issues that I would come up. And then the third was just like, I was super sick and I'm th- throwing up in this bucket. It's just like the woman said, <laughs> I'm like, it was almost like my stomach, esophagus mouth and this bucket were one organism and I'm just like throwing up it's like just designed to like throw up in this bucket and I'm kind of freaking out like it doesn't feel that bad but it's like very intense and I'm at one point I remember rocking back and forth like and uh kind of screaming and this kind of the assistant or the the shaman who's who's in training came over and 
amazing healer. He kind of puts his ar- hand on my arm and he's like, Justin, you know, everybody's worried about you. You're making a lot of noise. You know, you, you're a strong person. You've got this. Just breathe and be calm. And I took a breath for the first time in what felt like a thousand years. And immediately I centered myself and I was just back to like perfectly calm. Wow. I'll always remember that moment for the rest of my life, you know? Mm. And so. Wow, TLDR, that's a profound moment. Yeah, it was yeah. really, I have this bracelet that just says, be calm. As wow. a, you know, and this is, this is a, like, it's my reminder, like a token to just remember to, um, you know, that moment and ha- that I have the capacity to be calm no matter what is happening on the outside world. Like in the inside world, I, I have that capacity to be calm. And so TLDR though, the impact of that, I get home and I feel great the next day. You know, the next day mm. I feel great get home and over the course of the next couple months, I realized like all these lessons about myself, like everything I've done, like I mentioned earlier, everything Mm -hmm. I've done in my adult life, I've done for the approval of other people and I can love that person. And maybe that's not how I want to show up in the world, you know? And so that was kind of the start of, of making different decisions. Wow. That is, that is an amazing experience to have. Yeah. Uh, It was an incredible gift. That's an incredible gift. Like I think that is both the lesson of, you know, the be calm lesson. I love that. I think that is, you know, it can feel when you're, when you're an entrepreneur or startup or a content creator, that there's times where you're experiencing so much stress. It feels so uh, overwhelming to overcome it. Um, and even last night I was feeling really stressed and I just threw on headspace for five minutes. And Mm. after five minutes, I was like, I feel exponentially better. Like the tools that we have with our, even just our breath to, you know, de-stress even a little bit. Yeah. Like if you don't have five minutes in your day, something is horribly wrong. No, you always have five you minutes. Always yeah. have five minutes. Yeah. You always have five yeah. minutes. But that lesson of like the world around you can be chaos yeah. and finding comfort or at least, and, and most likely if you are doing something on your own, it's more often than not going to be chaos yeah. around you. Right. Um, and finding that, that comfort and that uh, calm is, is the only way you're going to make decisions and, and, you know, find yourself really within yeah. that chaos. So that's, yeah, after, that's cool. After that experience, I started meditating, yeah. you know, every day mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. Yeah. It's, and it was, it, it gave me more of an interest in, you know, figuring out ways to be happy every day, you know, and, and live like my joy every day. So did your wife have a similar experience? Yeah. For she? her, she had, she had a similar, you know, it was a very uh, valuable experience for her cool. yeah, as well. And so, you know, they say ayahuasca is not always what you yeah. ask for, but it's what you need. Yeah. You know? mm, like it. I hadn't even, didn't even yeah. know I was, what I was going to realize about myself um, before I, before I did it. Right. And you come out and you're like, I want to make a YouTube channel. <laughs> well, it goes, <laughs> into, I mean, until, you know, fast forwarding is basically like, you know, I realized eventually the company that I was working on didn't work out, but um, I talk about that on my channel as well. Um, but I started thinking about like, what are the things that I love to do? You know, what do I love to do every day? And, you know, I, I started creating, you know, how I got to be a, you know, YouTube doing YouTube now. It's like, I started creating this podcast as a way to connect with people around me, like, and have like a real conversation with them. Mm. It was a great vehicle for like having, you know, when are you going to have a 90 minute conversation with even a friend of yours where it's just about them and their history and their, what they're into and like talking about, you know, their experience. So I started doing that. And then, at first I was like, I want to do it, make sure that I'm 100% intrinsically motivated. So I'm just going to do it and not promote it. I'm just going to do it, maybe tweeted it out, but I didn't do any sort of promotion around it. And so consequently got like no views. Right. But, um, but it was more to check, like, do I love doing this? Mm. And then for a couple months I was like, okay, I was doing it. I had some great episodes with like very famous people, but like they, you know, they have like a hundred or 500 views or whatever, because Mm. you know I wasn't promoting it. And so 
then I was like, oh, I should promote it. Now that I know that I've liked doing it just for the sake of doing it, I should promote it. So I was looking to hire somebody uh, to help me with my podcast. And I posted on this uh, Discord server, Gen Z Mafia. Um, yeah. Like, does anybody know anybody who, you know, or would anybody here want to help me with this? And um, uh, my now friend and, and YouTube producer, Jen Lee, responded and said, you know, yeah, I can do this, but like, you should actually make a YouTube basically. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. Like why I don't know anything about videography or like, I, you know, I didn't think of myself in that context. So, um, I was a little skeptical at first, but she basically said, I'll do everything. And, uh, to, you know, like I'll edit it. I'll, you know, tell you what to do, you know, edit it and, uh, post it. And all you have to do is like buy a camera and like record yourself. And so we did some talking head videos about, you know, telling some of these stories that I've told you. And, um, and launched it as a experiment. And, uh, one thing, you know, one of the things I realized was I, I love storytelling, right. I, yeah. I, and mm. people really resonate with it. So, uh, it was very, it was a great creative outlet for me. And now we've been doing that since January. Has it changed your perception on YouTube as a platform? Like has yeah, it opened for, your world up a little bit? For sure. I did not really like, it's made me very interested in YouTube to understand like how are other people telling stories, right? Mm -hmm. So I started watching a lot of other content on YouTube just to see what's interesting, like how, what are, how are people interacting with, you know, with, yeah. with YouTube. And I kind of came up with like, came away with like a new respect for YouTube, the platform and what they're, you know, how they're creating um, empowering creators. And then also for you know, all the different types of people who are creating content on YouTube. Yeah. Who, who would you say some of your favorite creators are on the platform or that you draw inspiration from? Yeah. So the, I mean, the, the first one that I really loved was yes theory. That's before yeah. I, you know, probably started watching them a year ago or maybe a little bit over a year ago. And, uh, I just loved their positive message. And, you know, I, this some of the things I've described are like ways to try to get myself out of my comfort zone. And so I love their message around that mm -hmm. and around like connecting with people and, uh, and connecting with strangers uh, and finding kind of like uniting around what is what we have in common. Right. Mm -hmm. And so love that, love those guys. And, uh, that was one. And then, started watching other content since then, like yours, your, I watched your guys' show. And, um, you know, the other person I like that people are gonna, probably going to be surprised about is Emma Chamberlain. She's amazing. Yeah, she's so yeah. talented. She's unbelievable. Like, the way yeah. that she can control a camera, like a yeah. single frame with just herself, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I really like how she's kind of doing what, you know, this yeah, almost totally. like Justin TV, right? Like show about nothing. Yeah, yeah. show about her and just her living her life and figures out how to make it engaging. And I like it more than even like Casey Neistat mm -hmm. or like, you know, so I watched this guy, Jesse Wallens, you know, yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I ran it. I yeah. just ran him yeah. into him because they do a lot of like, fancy video yeah. editing, right? And they like set up cool shots and it's like, I mean, it's pretty cool. They look like they're in a movie, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like Emma is just making her content just like whatever. She's talking to this camera oh, yeah. and but she's a really good storyteller and uh, you know, I, I, I respect it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think Emma Chamberlain is um, the most, like she builds her stories in the most relatable way. Yeah. Like every, some of the things mm -hmm. she does are not relatable. Like she goes to the Met Gala, she goes to these like high-end fashion shoots but if you watch her vlog of the experience, it's like you really feel yeah. like it is your friend and you're just hanging out. Yeah. And her ability to sit in a car alone and engage a camera that yeah. actually represents 10 million people yeah. 
is I think a skill set that is singular. Like she is like the LeBron James of, of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we always compare her to Seinfeld because yeah. it feels like some of the topics that she goes through are very Seinfeld. Like she yeah. just will talk about something that feels like it's about nothing. Yeah. We broke one episode yeah. down. It was like an 18 minute episode. And I think like 15 minutes were full of uh, her talking about the weather. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Whether she should go get coffee again. Yeah. And what she was going to do that day. Yeah. And ultimately she doesn't really do anything. Right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the story, but it was, it was amazing. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Today, what do you think your channel represents from a audience value prop or mission perspective? Do you feel like you've honed in on yeah. who the audience is and, and why you have the YouTube channel? So, yeah, I think the audience is, you know, the 18 to 35 year old, mostly men who are like aspirational out there. The young Justin who wants to like, you know, they're grinding at a startup or, maybe they're working at Goldman Sachs or something and they're like kind of interested in both being me, but they're also like interested in like learning and maybe shortcutting and, and some of the things that like maybe painful experiences that I've, I've had. And so for me, I like to, it's kind of like, I think of it as edutainment, right? It's like mm-hmm. kind of like, I'm trying to make something that's entertaining. Like I'm telling stories, but hopefully you take something away that you could apply on your own journey and shortcut yourself. You know, for me, it's like the things that I wish that I had knew, known 15 years ago when I yeah. started mm-hmm. off. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Like I really, you know, when I think about the content that I want to create. It's like, I, I think my voice is very, you know, I just tell it how it is. It's like yeah. authentic for good and bad. You know, I talk a lot about like anxiety or depression or my wellness routines or like things that are, you know, I think a lot of people who are successful. They, they don't necessarily open up about as much. And I think that that is very relatable in, in that same way. And that's why Emma's kind of like my model actually. Mm. Cause like, I don't want to spend my time like making super cool cuts and like, yep. you know, mm-hmm. shots and stuff like that. I'm not really that I'm more like interested in just the storytelling component versus the like videography. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I love what she's done. She does with like, she just makes herself very relatable. And I think she is very relatable, not making yeah. herself. Right. And then, so for me, that's like, that's kind of what I, the voice that I aspire to have. I think you've also, I think I mentioned this to you one time, but maybe it was to Gary, but like humanizing what you've done and who you are is so important because again, you hear the story and you're like, Oh, but I don't think I could do something like that. You know, like that's, these people are, Mm -hmm. you know, unrelatable because they can have an idea like that, or they can push themselves to make a business like that or change the world like that. But when you have someone who's also then humanizing that concept and, and building like relatable content, you're like, wait a second, maybe it's not that different. Maybe I am yeah. capable of that. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about yourself and, and some of the other people like you who have taken to YouTube Yeah, where you get to humanize that whole thing. I think that's right. Like for me, I'm a lot of it is like, you know, I think of myself as just some fucking guy. Yeah. Like I don't think of myself as like the smartest guy out there or like the hardest working or with the best insights or anything like that. I think a lot of people out there or very disciplined, like a lot of people think of me as, Oh, that guy must be super disciplined. You know, he meditates every day. He like, uh, he's like super successful. And so he must've had like these genius ideas. It must be a great program or whatever, you know, like, but I actually think I was fairly just average or like above average, maybe in some of these categories. And, and most people have like one or two superpowers, you know, that help me propel me in entrepreneurship. But you know, I always, when I was at Y Combinator investing in startups, I would always tell people like, look, here's our Justin TV story, like the real story if we could make it and be successful, you have no excuse, (laughs) you know, like, and I really believe that because for us, like we just stuck with it. We didn't give up, you know, 
but we didn't particularly have very good insights or a very good plan or anything. We just like iterated and stuck with it and, you know, learned. And that was it. You know, we eventually worked. I think for me, the really exciting thing about your channel, like the same way that when Justin TV went to Twitch and found a core audience, and then now Twitch is able to expand into other areas, your channel is kind of like that. Like you yeah. started out just telling stories mainly about like your origin, about Twitch, about Amazon, about like even uh, advice for young entrepreneurs. But now more recently, you've put out a couple of vlogs. Yeah. And one of your videos is why I started a YouTube channel. And you've gained that trust, right? Yeah. With your audience that they'll mm -hmm. watch that video too. Yeah, I was surprised. You know, it's all, we think about it as an experiment. So we're always experimenting with diff different content formats. You know, at first it was like talking head videos, telling stories and some advice, like why meditate or like how to pitch a startup. Um, we've done this like deck review video where I'm just like, you know, kind of giving some more actionable cool. feedback to, to people, which was, I thought that would not perform very well, but perform better than like a lot of other videos. Or, And then I started doing like, riffing on topics with friends of mine. So, you know, me and my part, business partner, Robin, sit down and talk about like how we spend our money after we become successful entrepreneurs, which is really like a, a hidden way of talking about investing, right? And mm -hmm. teaching people a little bit about investing. And then now I'm doing like more vlog content, which I love to do because it's kind of like showcases an opportunity to showcase more personality. But I think people, yeah. it goes back to that, like people follow people, you know? And I, I just like playing around with different formats and seeing what will work, you know? You're kind of coming back around to this is Justin TV 2.0, like yeah. where it's the edited version where you were saying like, there's, it's not 24 hours that are interesting. It's yeah. It's like, yeah. It's five minutes or the, the interesting yeah. five minutes or whatever. And I'll try to interweave some of my philosophy or things I've learned or like my opinions on the world in there. Hopefully that's helpful to someone and that's it. Do you think creating on YouTube and other platforms has sort of, uh, changed the maybe empathy or mindset you have towards creators and has that affected sort of, how you look even at business? I definitely think it can be grindy, you know, like I feel like I have a lot more empathy uh, with like, you know, the, the, this idea of like, well, so when I was a platform, like we didn't think about it at all. Right. When I was working on a platform now it's like, Oh, you know, what's the, like, how do you make this job like into a better job for people? I think is interesting. It's mm -hmm. like, because it's like, you have to create these, you know, you're on this treadmill forever, right? Mm -hmm. Like the content treadmill. And, if you're lucky, maybe you find a format that you can just crank and you love, right? Like I think uh, maybe Emma's format is like that, or you guys making this podcast or whatever. I think for a lot of people, it's like, you know, okay, they think of one stunt, then they have to do the next one, the next one, yeah, the next yeah. one, mm -hmm. I think it's hard, right? So figuring out how you can build equity, like you were, as we're talking about in some sort of business, I think is really interesting. That's kind of an angle that I think about a lot as a creator. And I think we've just started to scratch the surface. You know, everyone mm -hmm. has a clothing line or whatever. Maybe they're doing some sponsorships and stuff like yeah. that, but like, there's going to be a huge host of creator businesses that are much more interesting than the ones that exist right now, I think. And, yeah. um, you know, you guys interviewed, um, I forgot what her name is, but she does the Airbnb. Yeah. Right. Shelby church. Shelby church. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And you could see different, you know, travel creators making, making like hotel deals or, you know, yeah. some things like that. Or like for me, it's like my business is like, I'm a venture capitalist, right? I have my, yeah. we have a, $50 million seed fund that we invest out of for, you know, early stage technology startups. And you could think of like everything on YouTube as marketing for that business. Now I just do it for love and, but it does double as a like way to sure. convince mm -hmm. founders to take my money because they're like, well, Justin's very authentic. He's been through the experience. You know, he knows what it's like to start a startup, the ups and downs. And so that, that is, you know, that helps big time. I mm -hmm. think the thing is what we're, what we're witnessing right now is the world of the creator economy is changing where if you're doing 20,000 views of video, 
you can monetize that. Yeah. And in the past you couldn't. Right. Because mm-hmm. most of the creator economy is still today is, is built off advertising. It's the yeah. advertising business. And the advertising business requires you to have a large audience. But as things have transitioned, where even advertisers are interested in more niche audiences and building a, a, a niche community offers you actually potentially more of an opportunity to monetize because of Patreon or direct-to-consumer content or building a merchandise line yep. uh, or just starting to develop unique product. The same way that we were talking about Shelby Church, for, for those of you who haven't watched the episode, she essentially is building an Airbnb that her fans can stay at. So she's yep. entering the hospitality mm-hmm. business. Yep. And you start to think about the question, even in e-commerce, how many people do you need to interact with your product to make a million bucks, right? In yeah. e-commerce, it's not as much as in advertising. In hospitality, it might even be less at times. So I think that's what's really interesting today. Um, but today, still, a lot of the creator economy is based on advertising yeah. and sponsorships. How do creators think about building equity? Because you know, in those, in those situations, they can be super serious, significant amounts of cash involved. Yeah. How does a creator think about building beyond the advertising business or is that important or how do they think about monetization? Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's kind of like thinking about how loyal are, are your fans and like, what is a, something that's natural for you to be giving to them? Right. I think the more authentic it is, the better it's going to do. So something that's very authentic to like the style of content and topic of content that you create will perform a lot better. You probably have to do a lot of experimentation. And then it's about, um, you know, my opinion is it's about choosing the right partners, right? Both on the, like, who's going to run this business? Because I think for most yeah. creators, they don't want to like, actually run a business. And then who is going to um, provide the capital for this business, you know? And so I think there's more interest on the capital side and with the, on the entrepreneur side and finding creators to partner with on these businesses because they, you know, people are starting to realize like, you look at Beastburger, right? Like they drove, they're driving a yeah. huge amount of sales through this, uh, you know, virtual restaurant concept. And um, I think people are waking up to the idea that as a creator, you know, you can, it can be a very impactful to like, um, to do just as a way to drive, you know, a marketing channel, right. To the, to their audience. And so, you know, I'd be thinking about it as like, who are, who are the right people to partner with on the business? And then, and how do I experiment with my audience? Do you think there's a, there's a balance between creators, creating businesses and curating businesses through investment. There's a lot of creators starting to launch, you know, venture funds or uh, starting to actually invest capital into because like they are making so much cash when it comes to advertising. A lot of them are solo creators who they don't need that much cash. They actually start to become pretty able to make these investments. Uh, Is, is angel investor a good career for creators I think it can be, I think it's just like, what do you love? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. what do you love? So some creators like love investing. Like I know people who are actors and musicians who actually love the investing part. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, they get a thrill out of learning about businesses. So like, if that's you, then that's great. If you don't love doing that, then maybe don't do it, you know? And maybe it like, it's like the same as like true of the types of businesses that you can incubate. It's like, don't do ones that aren't true to you that you don't want to work on, you know, when you, but if you're, you know, like a lot of, I think a lot of creators are starting to think about what business are interesting to them and they're starting to do those businesses. And that I think is where magic happens because, you know, generally that's going to resonate with their audience, right? Like they are the creators in a way know their audience best. Right. And so I think it's, it's about finding those unique opportunities to bring something to market. That's like very resonant with your audience. Totally. Do you think there's a world where there's essentially like pairing startup founders with creators to become 
Yeah, I think there's probably something like that. I don't know if that's a business or like, you know, maybe it's a Discord server or something, job board Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I do think that there's, there's a world there where it's like, you know, creators need people to run these businesses. Startup founders need distribution. And there's a, definitely a a way to like link those people up, you know? Yeah. Um, I have another question for you around, you know, we brought it up before, but, um, with Twitch and there was this, there's stuff happening with the hot tub streams and that brought up a lot of conversation around platform governance. Yeah. Just being someone who created one of, you know, the largest platforms today, do you have thoughts on how platforms interact with creators, how creators interact with platforms? There was some news about YouTube's new monetization policy that they will be running ads on smaller channels, even if they're not part of the partner program. Yeah. How do you feel about how platforms and creators interact and, and what the future of that looks like? You know, I think there's going to be a diversity, continue to be a diversity of ways that pe- platforms interact with creators. If I put my platform hat on, right? Like you kind of do what you have to do based on the leverage you have, right? Like, so if you're a platform and you're the only game in town, like YouTube or something like that, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Like with Twitch, there was a lot of competition actually for the live stream, gaming live streams, right? You had seen, there were successive waves of competitors who would try different like to try to attract the gaming streamers away from Twitch or like build that community. First, there was like own 3d, which was one back in like 2010 to 2012 or whatever, 2014 or whatever. And then there was like more recently mixer right from Microsoft. And they put yeah. a lot of capital behind that. And Facebook is like also, also doing that as well. So, you know, Twitch had to be pretty nice to create to the, to the streamers and figure out how to, how to build one of the ways that in the early days we built up our streamer base was really we hired from the community, brought people in from the community to like work at Twitch. And then they brought their friends in. We would like go to people's houses and set up their gaming streaming, you know, set up because it was so confusing how to like set it up. And uh, we would throw events for that. We, every, we had a whole team that was like out there, you know, for working with partners that would like throw events uh, in at like every gaming convention, conference, every, you know, esports tournament uh, and built a lot of, we built a lot of goodwill, you know, and I think that was really important. Um, people f- feeling like they were treated fairly in retaining that talent to Twitch when there was competition out there. Do you think, um, that there's a world where crypto starts to unlock more, I guess, fan-based governance or community-based governance and that yeah. is a threat to platforms or, uh, or no? well, my friend, um, Balaji thinks that the way that happens is like the platforms themselves decide to become decentralized which I don't know. I, maybe it could happen. I'm a little skeptical. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I think there's that network effect that's super hard to break. Right. Right. People go to YouTube. YouTube's are the audiences. So if you're a new creator, you want to go on YouTube, no matter what the deal is. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like the whole. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the old record labels, right? Where like you want to be signed because you want to be an artist, and they can take you know a 360 deal. It's horrible for you as an artist if they want to, you know, and you'll sign. There's a long line of people will sign up for that. Right. So today, you know, I think it's, it's like the YouTube deal is actually not bad. I think it's like they pay you, people are making money. Like there's a lot of people yeah. who are making a lot of money, right? They're paying $10 billion or whatever out to creators a year, right? Something like that. So yeah. like, that's not nothing. Um, so the, the YouTube deal is not, is not particularly bad, but it's like that, that is the deal. And like, you don't have any opportunity to negotiate and most people will just sign up for YouTube. And once you're on YouTube, you're going to stay on YouTube because that's where your audience is. Yeah. I don't see how to like breaking that network network effect is really hard because it's very hard to do incrementally. Yeah. And YouTube's like a like search algorithm too. So it's like, yeah. It's and kind plus of they have, they're your yeah. way to discover, right? Yeah. They're, they're this, they're like one of the biggest search engines is youtube.com, right? Like where right. people are searching for videos. And so it's just really hard to break that discovery. So no, yeah, I think the distribution is the main thing, right? Cause there are creators who 
don't even take AdSense revenue. Don't even yeah. care about it. Yeah, if I'm a creator and you want to like have more ownership, I would just buy Google stock. Which some creators <laughs> do. Yeah, creators yeah. do. Yeah. Last question for me is, who's your dream collab creator Emma or not? Chamberlain, for sure. Emma Chamberlain. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel think like her, that audience, could... her audience and my audience are like polar opposites. <laughs> I think it would be interesting but to watch. Yeah. I would just be like, uh, that would be my, uh, I would be like um, a super fan. You know, I'm, I'm a super fan. Of That's her. cool. I watch her video. I like all her videos. That's so cool. But, we uh, we got we to put that out there and speak that into existence. Yeah, I'd love I know, to see it. Manif- Justin, you got to manifest that. Manifest that. that can happen. Other than that, like, you know, I love the Yes Theory guys and yeah. I think their, their channel is probably a little bit more... <laughs> Uh, there's probably more audience crossover. My audience is probably like some sub small subset of their audience. So, uh, you know, maybe that, maybe that one. I'm sure that could take you through an uncomfortable, uh, experience. I'm willing to do like whatever uncomfortable. Experience, <laughs> yeah. That feels like to. a good yeah. challenge for the guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Justin, where can people find you? I feel funny asking that question, but, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, Justin Khan vlog on YouTube. I mean, people don't like do that, right? They just search on YouTube. I think YouTube. they'll just search yeah, your yeah, name. Yeah, Justin, yeah. Justin Khan. Yeah. We'll put yeah. it in the description. Uh, you'll find it. Yeah, just type Justin Khan and you'll find Justin. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm on Twitter, you know, everywhere on TikTok and Instagram is at Justin Khan. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks for coming by. Thanks yeah. for the time. This was awesome. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You have any interest in doing ayahuasca? No. You don't? No. Really? I'm too afraid. Maybe that's why you should do it. No. No? No. Feels like a good company retreat. I also don't want to throw up. (laughs) I'd I'd like to try and not throw up, if possible. (laughs) I think it'd be an interesting experience. And I think, uh, who knows? You know, listen, we're young. Anything could happen. You know what? The moment I would have tried to escape from an ayahuasca experience, mm. if you look at Justin's story, was when the guy was wearing a Robin Hood t-shirt. Right. And he's the master of ceremonies. Right. I'd go, I don't think Not that's what I want my master of ceremonies to look like. Not for you. Shaman, by the way. Shaman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Please. So thanks to all of you who have listened all the way to this point in the podcast. On YouTube, we call all of you the later gang. I guess we call you that on the podcast too. Yeah, same If you crew. make it to the end, you make it to later in the podcast, you're part of the later gang. We appreciate you. So if you've made it this far in the podcast, let us know. Send us a tweet. Yeah, let us know. And also let us know where you're listening from. Last week, we got people listening from crazy parts of the world who sent us in. And like, we don't have any frame of reference where people are listening from. So seeing how truly global this community is, community of creators, that's so interesting to me to see. So I'd love to know where you're listening from and if you're part of the later gang. I like how you said listening from crazy parts of the world because it's probably very normal to them where they're listening. Totally, yeah. But I mean, I guess for me, it's just like, it is so far from this studio that it's crazy to me. Like they may think it's crazy that they're listening to a podcast that's coming from Los Angeles in the US. Totally. All right. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Colin and Samir show. Also, if you haven't subscribed to our creator economy newsletter, the published press, subscribe comes out every Tuesday and Friday. We cover the latest news in the creator economy. And we also include some quotes from conversations that are exclusive to the published press. We got to talk to Marquez Brownlee about his new studio channel that he launched. We also included a bit of our conversation with Robert Kinsel, who's the chief business officer at YouTube in the last issue of the published press. So if you want to check that out, head over to thepublishedpress.com. And Colin, last words for the, for the listeners. What do you got? You were just in New Jersey. What, what, was, what was the highlight? We were just talking about it before we started recording, but I went water skiing for the first time in years. And I mean, 15 years probably. Are you a good water skier? Yeah, actually. So I, wow. But I didn't know that. Okay. And I, I walked away from that experience and people were telling me, oh yeah, well, he's just athletic. That's why he was able to do that. Someone said that? Yeah, multiple, who said, multiple who said that? Madeline said it, her dad said it. You know, They I just mean, said, you're an athlete. They said, well, that's... of course he was able to get up because he's athletic. He's an athlete. 
And wow. you know, anytime someone wants to say that to me, I'll, uh, I it's appreciate pretty it. pretty exciting to be in a context where you are the athlete. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because had yeah. anyone else been there, almost <laughs> anyone, I wouldn't have been the athlete. Right. We have some very athletic friends. Right. Right. Let alone here in Venice. People are very active. Sure. Back East. You're the athlete. On the lake. Yeah. I, I mean, I might as well be Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> oh man. For everyone who's staying <laughs> till the end of this to listen to this, I appreciate you. This is awesome. I love it. Yeah. All right. Colin is an athlete. Subscribe to the Publish Press. Check out Justin Khan's YouTube channel. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Colin and Samir Show. We will see you next week.